0: Go to Shopify.com slash Audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Audioboom.
1: Girl, we're so bored in quarantine that yesterday Daisy took us out to the yard and asked us to throw sticks at her and we did.
2: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my not a mother shirt?
1: Oh, do you know what we haven't done in a couple weeks because we just keep forgetting?
2: Oh yeah, I know this time should I for the sake of the bitch, should I be like what? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Jillian Pennsylvania Patrick Hines bun- up You're so far away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you guys before we get to the show, just a quick reminder. Look, we're into the Tiger King. You asked, we did it. You wanted the mm-hmm. Tiger King. Go to the Patreon and find it. On the Patreon, you guys, it's where we do our episode-by-episode episode series that you want us to cover. So, like, throw out a couple, GP. The
2: Staircase, The
1: Jinx, Making a Murderer, Lorena. The Menendez Murders, Lacey Peterson, Don't F with Cats, OJ Made in America. Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez? Did we say Making a Murderer? 20 episodes of Making a Murderer? I said I think we doubled up one, but 19, 20, who's counting at this point? <laughs> You can also get ad-free versions of these episodes. You can join our after party. We have a tier where we send you stuff in the mail or right now under quarantine, we're sending stuff digitally. We just did a whole puzzle pack. Look, Steve put together a puzzle pack and he was so proud of it. You
2: know, we're pretty on brand, but Steve with a puzzle pack, could you get more on brand than Steve Tipton creating Mad Libs and crossword puzzles? It's amazing.
0: Selling a little or a lot...
1: Girl, what are we talking about today?
2: We are talking about CBS's The Case of jean Jean-Benet Ramsey. Part one. So you guys, this is another two-parter. Both are available right now. Part
1: one is available right now. You're listening to it. Part two is available ad-free at the $5 level on Patreon. So you don't have to wait to hear our thoughts on part two, where a man volunteers to be tased
2: twice. We'll get there. Do you know I <laughs> called Mike into the room? I know. I was screaming. He was working out or doing something, and I was, like, waving my arms I you, know, no. you have to see what I just know. happened. <laughs> he stayed for the rest of the up. How about that?
1: You guys, episode two is as bonkers as episode one. Anyway, Jean Bonnet, girl, look, we've never gotten into this case. I want to say one thing. So, Jean Bonnet Ramsey was six years old when she died. Yeah. And. My daughter is currently six years old. And I just wanted to point out, like, Daisy is, like, a person. I always thought of Jean-Benet Ramsey as, like, a baby, you know, like, a mushy sort of baby. Six years old is, like, a real person, like, with thoughts and ideas. And, like, that kind of took me by surprise because Daisy is the exact age she was when she died.
2: That's so interesting that you say I think of her as anything but a baby. She's a little girl. But even before TCO, I didn't dive into this case, really. I know people have been obsessed with it. But I knew the image of her as this pageant queen. And to me, she felt so much older in a sense, where I'm like, there's that little girl who's like not so babyish. She has like a full beat. Like, look at those lashes. So it's just interesting. Like, there's a lot to dive into. People's memories are interesting here, the way they're quoting Jean Bonnet. I'm like, she was, yeah, mature for her age, but she wasn't 40 right. with the stuff she said. <laughs> I've heard Daisy talk. Daisy doesn't talk the way Jean Benet quote, no. talked in these people's memory. Right. 911 <laughs> emergency. We were kidnapped
3: to me what's going on, okay? There, we have a, a note left and our
4: is Let me address it very
5: directly. I did not kill my daughter, John
0: God knows who you are and we will find you.
5: The list of suspects narrows. There's a,
0: there's
3: a ransom note here. It's a ransom note? Is it
5: the same as him you know? I don't Hurry,
3: hurry. Patsy? Patsy? So you try to solve a
5: homicide, but the homicide doesn't exist.
0: I did not kill Jean Benet. I love that child.
5: We do not have sufficient evidence. This little girl's homicide to this date has been unresolved. In my opinion, I think we can change that
6: right now. We have five different motives in this one crime. It makes no sense. The most important thing is to go where the evidence takes us. Do not ever, ever contact me again. Unbelievable. We want to get the truth out so that Jambonet could rest in
1: peace. It opens with a Christmas video from like the Ramsey family. It's like we see Patsy Ramsey like inviting the world into her home as their like virtual Christmas card or whatever. And Jean Bonnet is four in this video. And Jean Bonnet Ramsey looks like a four year old.
2: Hello, I'm Patsy Ramsey. Daddy's not here, but this is Jean Bonnet. She's four. Burke is seven. And we'd like to welcome you to our home and wish you a very Merry Christmas. Wave, Wave, Jean
1: She looks so much unlike the pageant shots that we know that she's almost unrecognizable.
2: And the thing that's so shitty about those pageant shots that the media, as soon as this happened, latched onto is that that wasn't who she was. She Mm -mm. was too young to have that be an identity for her. And I think it's such a disservice to the memory of her and the justice of her that all those glamour shots of her were kind of, when you think of her, you think of her like that when you should think of her as a six-year-old, even though that's sadder and will keep you up longer. (laughs) I'm not doing this alone. You stay right up there with me. You stay up at night with me, guys. <laughs> if I'm not sleeping, nobody is.
1: Hey, listen, if they've made one social contract by listening to this podcast, they are on your mood cycle. That's all there is to it. That's
2: what I'm saying. Thank you.
1: Okay, and I want to also say her name is actually John Bonet. And I looked it up. It's a portmanteau of her dad's first name and last name. So it's John Bonet. Yeah,
2: that's in my notes somewhere, too. I think that's.
1: It's a weird way to get a name, but it's also like, it's not Jean Bonet. It's not like a, a known French name like it sounds. It's actually John Bonet, which is just weird. And it's not her fault. Jean Bonet, like, I. I'm not making fun of your name. I'm just saying it's a weird name.
2: Yeah, I think, again, if you're listening to episode whatever zillion one this is, <laughs> Jombiné didn't do anything wrong. Right? We're Team Jombiné. We don't victim blame or shame here. You guys, are you are you new? If you're new, welcome. Please hang out. We're a BYO pod. So sit, get cozy. But you're, you'll probably not sleep later. And I feel okay about that. Because, again, yeah. if I'm not sleeping, nobody is.
1: Right. So anyway I was just gonna say that like it's one of those things where like John Benet Ramsey was only in pageants because her mom was in pageants and I'm like oh that's a weird thing to put on your kids but then I was like oh wait we're like two gay dads that make Daisy take ballet so like who are we to talk
2: yeah just kind of like oh that totally makes sense because if you have a six-year-old who loves getting dressed up with the makeup and the hair and the and the dresses that's great do you totally but there's no kid who's like you know what I want to work painstakingly at pageants <laughs> that's the mother <laughs> That's the mom. No totally. question is that the mom. So we start to meet our hosts, our yes. guides for this. <laughs> Jim Clementi.
6: I'm Jim Clemente. I'm a retired FBI profiler. I'm an expert in the areas of child sex crimes, child abductions, and child homicides.
2: You probably know him if you're listening to this podcast. You might listen to Real Crime Profile, which he's on. Yeah. And basically he's like, I'm an expert in all the bad things that happen to kids. Right. Anything horrible. Anything <laughs> horrible. He's an expert, and he's trying to take these bad guys down. And then Laura Richards, remember her from
1: the Dirty John series we did? Oh, I was trying to remember which one she was on, but she does real crime profile with him. Am I wrong? Well, I
2: was just going in order of my notes, but...
7: My name's Laura Richards, I'm a criminal behavioral analyst, and I've been trained by New Scotland Yard and the FBI.
2: She's just
1: like a badass bitch, we just love her.
2: Yeah, she's a criminal behavioral analyst. And they're like, look, we're gonna get to the bottom of this because, goddammit, this is the most talked about case on Reddit and the internet, and they just want to really solve it. So,
1: we start to get the backstory in the Ramsey family, and we learn that John Ramsey was on his second marriage when he married Patsy. He had three kids from his first marriage, and one of them, his daughter Beth was killed in a car accident.
2: Yeah, and we don't learn anything about his previous marriage or the kids from that marriage other than what happened to Beth. But we do learn that Patsy was 14 years younger than him. Patsy
7: was actually 14 years younger than him. So when they met, they started courting each other. She was 21, 22.
6: She had been Miss West Virginia. And so for him, she was quite a trophy wife.
7: She also graduated with a degree in journalism. So she was pretty smart herself at the University of West Virginia.
2: Laura is just like, yeah, she had like a journalism degree. She was Miss West Virginia. She was basically a trophy wife. Like he was lucky to have her. She was smart, beautiful, here we go. Yeah,
1: and we see her win Miss West Virginia and it's like the most pageanty moment. But it's like, we need to see that moment to understand why pageanting is such a big part of like the Ramsey family.
2: Right, also they were super rich. John had a
7: rising career in the computer industry Access Graphic had a billion dollar turnover that very year that John Bonet was killed. So don't forget the lifestyle. They had two planes at one point and I think a 30 foot yacht.
1: They had two planes and a 30 foot yacht, girl. We're in the wrong line of work.
2: I was like, what? Two planes and a yacht? And then we just dive right over that. I know we have more important things to get I- to. I know that.
1: Like at one point, John tries to call for his plane. It's like, girl,
2: like which one? What plane should right, we take today? Right, what?
1: Exactly. So Jim Clementi tells us that like Jean-Benoît would be almost twenty-six years old at the time of the filming of this documentary, which that hit me like a piano, as my friend Jillian says.
2: Ooh, speaking of smart and beautiful, your friend Jillian sounds like both of those <laughs> things.
1: She's a ten, let me tell you.
2: Oh, even in quarantine, come on. <laughs>
1: But then her brother Burke was three years older than her. He is now a grown man. He's 29 years old now, Burke.
2: Yeah, we'll get back to Burke a lot in this. Now they do this thing because they're starting over from scratch. They have this war room that Laura calls the think room because she's very proper. And so they (laughs) assemble this team, like the dream team. And I just, Matt, my love, if we can get some cool like superhero music because it's like (laughs) and it's like first we have Dr. Henry Lee, forensic scientist.
1: You guys know Henry Lee. So I wrote down their cases. Henry Lee worked with us on OJ. He worked with us on The Staircase, Lacey Peterson. She's been around.
2: Then we have Jim Fitzgerald, forensic linguist. He worked on the
1: Unabomber, you guys. Okay, I see you, Jim Fitzgerald.
2: They call him Fitzy. I'm obsessed. James Kohler, investigator.
1: So he works for the Boulder DA and he's been with this case the whole time. James Kohler isn't super comfortable on camera.
2: No, not at all. I'm like, girl, shoulders down. <laughs> <know>. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. But he's the one who's like, you need someone to practice tasing? Let me get one of my guys. And he does. It's crazy. <laughs> then, um, wait, gotta get back to the voice. Stan Burke Statement Analysis FBI. Which is
1: like, he has the least cool title and kind of the most to say of any of them. Whatever, Stan.
2: And then, bum fun and Dr. Werner Spitz, forensic
1: pathologist. You guys, you know Werner Spitz. He is like famous for the JFK assassination, not for doing it, but for trying to figure it out. He worked with us on OJ as well. He worked with us on Kaylee Anthony and West Memphis 3. Am I wrong?
2: West Memphis 3. And also there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. How are you forgetting? What? An abscess? (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) Dr. Werner Spitz, who again, like when we see the round table of these like meetings, he doesn't say much at first. And I'm like, is he going to talk at all? Then
2: then he talks a lot. Hold tight, girl. (laughs) Like Laura says,
7: 20 years on, putting together this elite and renowned team and actually bringing these minds into one room, this has never been done before. And when you join up everybody's experience accumulatively, it's over 250 years of experience working in law enforcement.
2: You know, we have over 250 years working in law enforcement. I'm like, why do people do this? Stop it. I don't have 250. Why do you do do this? People do it all the time. Over 250. No, you don't. (laughs) Laura you're impressive enough Like you don't need To
1: do that girl That's
2: what I'm saying (laughs) And they're all kind of like Uh yeah Because they're all very Like technical obviously And we say this a lot Like there are a lot of cases That we cover where When we're talking To experts like this They say stuff Very bluntly Because that's how Their brain works And we're like Ooh a little warped girl So get ready for that Because everyone here Really is trying to get To the bottom of it In the best way possible And they can't hold back Like they have to be like You guys it's just us here I wouldn't say this to anybody But And then insert like Very blunt thing about something horrible that happened, but yeah. if they are coming from a good place, as are we. <laughs> so,
1: they decide we're going to reinvestigate top to bottom. So, let's start with that 911 call. So, you guys, it's December 26th, 1996, 5.52 a.m. Patsy Ramsey is hysterical. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I'm laughing at the term hysterical. 911 emergency. Oh, we need
3: Police. What's going on? Street. What's going on there, ma'am? We have a kidnapping. All please. Explain to me what's going on, okay? There, we have a, there's
2: a note left and our daughter's gone. A note was left and your daughter is gone. How old is your daughter? Six years old. So what she goes through is like, they just woke up. John JonBenet is not there. Patsy's a mess. And we'll get back to this, but my question is, and you know this because you woke up to not knowing where your daughter is. Yeah, that happened to me once. You check everywhere, as ridiculous as it may be. I'm looking in the DVD holder. I'm looking under the printer. You're looking every which way you can. You didn't look in the basement. (laughs) Back to that. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so our experts are like, hey, guys, I don't know if you know this, but we actually have more audio from just the original call because apparently Patsy Ramsey thought she hung up but really didn't. And the dispatcher stayed on the phone. You guys,
1: I was gay screaming at the top of my lungs.
2: So Jim, the linguist, it's your time to shine, girl. Let's dive in. Because before we dive into this like mystery audio, Jim's like, er, hold on a second. Turning this car around. I really don't like how she says, I'm the mother. Yes! I don't that's like right. that. And then the entire roundtable is like, now that you're saying it, I kind of hate it too. I'm the mother.
5: The fifth word used is the plural pronoun we. We have
2: a kidnapping.
5: We have a kidnapping. What does that even mean? Where's the ownership?
3: She's blonde, six years old.
6: She doesn't mention her daughter's name. She says, my daughter, my six year old, I'm, I'm blonde. The mother. I'm the mother.
1: Are you happy? I'm the mother.
6: These are behavioral things that I think are extremely unusual.
1: Let me just sort of get into a little bit of like how bullshit this is, because then he also points out that she uses the pronoun we, like we have a kidnapping here. And I'm like, well, girl,
2: maybe that is something. Maybe it's not. We're never going to know. Yeah. This is a very slippery slope when you're like talking about people's behavior. So yes. on one end, it's like you could totally tell, like I'm, I'm just such a hypocrite here and I'm calling myself out because in some cases I'm like like. Ten i'm like look at that behavior i hate him (laughs) but in other cases and again we don't like the ramsey parents but i don't know if you can really dive into any of this in any realistic kind of way that's going to give us any kind of answers can we look at some scientific evidence because that would be great that's exactly what i'm saying girl
0: selling a little or a lot (laughs) shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere.
1: So the Ramsey 911 phone call ends abruptly. Like, in every movie or show you ever watch, you always hear the dispatcher being like, ma'am, stay with me. They're on their way. They're on their way. I pr- they're on their way. Like, Patsy does not have any time for that shit. Patsy, like, says what she needs to say. She's like, hurry, hurry, hurry. And she hangs up the phone. And they think that's really suspicious. It's also weird because we find out that she hangs up on 911 to call her family friends and invite them over.
2: Oh, yeah. We did this at the casting, Jean Benet. He, she invites the whole neighborhood over. Right? <laughs> it's like she had the finger sandwiches just ready and waiting I for them. Come on in. <laughs> It's a crime scene. What right. are you talking about?
1: So now, girl, we got to dive into this extra audio. <laughs> there should be a whole documentary just about this shit.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. So they have this garbled audio. Oh, my God.
7: It's, it's hard really to make it yeah. up.
2: And look, I'm talking to a fellow editor here. Yes. Here's the thing about audio, you guys. When audio sucks, it's incredibly hard to make it not suck. The damage is done. So right. you have to just make something record excellently in the first go. You can't really fix shitty audio. That being said, if you do, if there is something outside or if there is, the minute you touch the audio to try to make it sound any, quote, better, it starts to sound like the person or the audio is completely underwater. And yeah. you get this garbled underwater sound. So now they have this garbled audio that's already kind of cuz she, you know, put the phone down, right? right. She put the phone down.
1: <laughs> Good mic technique, girl.
2: Thanks. I try, you know. <laughs> Acting. <laughs>
1: and I'm close. So Jim and Laura go to like a fancy like recording studio to work with an engineer to try to like figure out the mystery of this garbled audio. And
2: the thing is you and I know from the beginning the hours and days we've wasted in our earlier podcasting days of trying to get something from nothing. Like we know going into it we're not going to get anything out of this. And I know it's like for the sake of the show but they go through this with this expert and they say what they claim they're hearing on this audio. To them they hear very 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 specific clear statements you can also see the
1: moment where like it's not working it's not working and then oh Jim Clemente all of a sudden hears a man's voice saying we're not speaking to you
6: so this is the noise reduced oh wow I think I hear a man say we're not speaking, speaking to, to you, you. I think that's John Ramsey's voice
1: the other thing too the other trick is as soon as somebody says I think this is what I'm hearing you can't not hear it and you can't hear anything else
2: of course your your ear this is gonna sound crazy but you're gonna understand what I mean your ear looks for it totally you know what I mean yeah so
1: the man's voice they're assuming is John John Bonet's dad then they hear a woman's voice and they're going around and around and around and uh, one of them is like I'm getting oh something Jesus
7: and then it repeated
6: I hear either holy Jesus or help me Jesus. What I heard is, what did you do? What did you do? That's what it sounds like through the speakers. I didn't listen with headphones.
1: Oh, Jesus, and the other one's like, maybe it's help me Jesus. And then Clemente again is like, no, 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 girl. They're saying, what did you do? girl?" Little on the nose, no?
2: Well, here's the thing. I side-googed. Oh. I did it. I have to admit, I I googed. Oh, girl, tell me everything. This is a thing that these, like, made-for-TV documentaries, they all do it. Yes. Everyone does it. It's like a thing that everybody does. But these quotes... If they sound on the nose, it's because they were released like back in 1999. Oh, really? Oh, so, so you're saying this isn't the first time somebody's done this with the audio? No. And sure, the technology in 2016 when this came out is totally different from 1999. Yeah. But this was like outlined in a book. And the only quotes they happen to quote here are what's outlined in the book. Every <laughs> made for TV, you know, like cable yeah. Yeah. or network stuff does this. But it also kind of makes me feel like, don't make me feel like you're just coming up right. with this. Because yeah. again, as audio people, we're like, you didn't hear it. And I I don't hear it. Right. So moving
1: on, we never really come back to that audio. It's interesting. And it's like fucking Patsy. it's like, once again, everyone is so bad at this. Everyone who's like, does wrong illegal things is bad at it. Patsy, if you're involved
2: in some way and you're faking a 911 call, hang the phone up, girl. When my parents hang up a phone, it could be a, ha- they're calling you to say happy birthday, girl. <laughs> my dad will do the annoying, he'll beep, 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 beep. He'll beep the phone three times to make sure he actually hung up. <laughs>
1: I think that that has more to do with other things in your Italian family heritage.
2: What mob? saying, if again, if something nefarious is happening, you make sure the phone's hung up, no?
1: One zillion fucking percent. So, the next thing that they've decided they're going to do, now we've heard this 911 call, they're going to track down the 911 operator. Now, her name is Kim Archuleta. She's the one that, like, had the presence of mind to not disconnect the call when Patsy didn't hang up. And I thought it was a little bit curious that they were going to track her down. Like, what is she actually really going to add to this? She kind of adds some stuff to this.
2: Yeah, and the thing about Kim is that she's here to tell us that she's been dying to talk about the case for all these years but she was never formally questioned about it ever and she was actually told some kind of shady things i wanted someone to come talk to me i wanted someone to get my testimony when they did the grand jury nobody talked to me really you weren't
6: you didn't testify in the grand jury no
2: i had an investigator come to my house told me there's a gag order do not talk about this until we go to court and i never was talked to again and it never went to court.
1: The thing about that is that she's like the 911 operator. What like what could she possibly know? The only difference is that, the extenuating circumstance here, the fact that she stayed on the phone after Patsy thought she hung up. So she actually is like breaking some news, girl. Can we get a breaking news?
2: Breaking news. What bother me immensely, it sounded like she said, okay, we've called the police, now what? And that disturbed me. So I remained on the phone trying to hear what was being said. Sounded like there were two voices in the room, maybe three.
1: Okay, we called the police. Now what? The actual
2: sentence. Yeah, which is weird because we just sat in the studio, the like, let's fix the audio studio for 20 minutes, and nobody heard anything like that.
1: I know I know yeah I mean again it's just like we get it it's a shady situation Patsy was not careful when she hung up the phone but we're never gonna know
2: yeah and the thing is the reason why we're still talking about this 911 call is because this 911 call and this garbled audio Jim and Laura and our team of experts are convinced that Burke Jambini's brother was there right and not asleep like the Ramseys said he was because Patsy Ramsey wants everyone to think that she's screaming on the phone about her daughter which she's should be if that's genuine 100% scream but she wanted everyone to know in all of her statements that Burke slept through the whole thing and there's just no way that happened
1: because part of the other garbled audio that is remaining that Jim and Laura are trying to figure out they say sounds like a little boy saying what did you find
6: stop there can you spread that out Oh my God, what What, did you find? What
7: did you find?
6: Right, what did you find? It sounds like a smaller voice though. It doesn't sound like a a booming adult.
7: there were only four people in that house.
6: Right. One of them was dead.
2: And even if we didn't have this garbled audio, I would say there's no way this little kid is sleeping through the horror of this 911 call. There's no way.
1: No, and we get more into this in episode two, but look, I'm not saying that Burke is involved. I don't want to be accused of saying that I think Burke did anything, but like, I just remember when I woke up and I couldn't find Daisy in the middle of the night, you wake up everybody in the house and find out if she's with them. Right. This whole story that they let Burke sleep is just both. It's just nonsense. It just would never have happened. Right. Okay, so now Oh, now we're gonna get into this ransom note. Oh sorry. It's this a letter. Ra- <laughs> this ransom letter, you guys. It's a goddamn ransom letter.
2: I'm obsessed with this. Like I know for probably all the wrong reasons, but like this is so like damning to I me. Know. I think it's ridiculous. Re- ridiculous. So you guys, we're going to do it. We're going to read the entire
1: ransom letter. I just
2: want to say one thing before we dive in. Yeah. So the thing about this letter is that all our experts are like everything about it from the length to the words used, it's like all unprecedented in their 250 years of expertise. Right. <laughs> Uh-huh. Mostly because there's a ransom letter and a dead body in the house. Right. <laughs> right. That's
1: the biggest thing. Like everyone says to us over and over and over again. It's unprecedented
5: in the annals of criminal justice history as far as I know that both a ransom note requesting money and the body is left behind at the scene.
1: I've done a hundred of these guys. I've never seen a situation where there's a ransom note and the dead body in the same home. Like, you guys, I'm gonna show my hand. Like this ransom note is total bullshit. It's
2: bullshit. That doesn't mean we're not reading it in its entirety. <laughs>
1: All right, here we go. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter.
2: You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining 18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Girl, can you tell? I, I gotta catch my breath. I it's just so long. <laughs>
1: also, I can't imagine like what this exhausting exchange of money is gonna be. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. Okay. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. Oh my god, that is so chilling. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you to not provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as the police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies.
2: You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we you are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Victory, SBTC.
1: What on earth?
2: earth look if anyone's like new here which is fine again welcome but usually (laughs) ransom notes are like we have what you want leave the money no funny stuff the end
1: exactly the
2: amount of detail the amount they have better tracking than the U.S. Postal Service does if you want to do it earlier we can arrange an early delivery (laughs) what are you talking about like, there's so many things
1: about this. Number one, again, I want to know, like, what this adventure of a money handoff is going to be that's so exhausting that John Bennett, who just learned that his daughter's being held for ransom, is expected to go get his full eight hours.
2: What? And if you really want the money that badly, kidnappers, don't you want to make it easy for everybody to get that money so you can run? Exactly. And then we learn that the
1: police in their investigation, they find the legal pad, it's Patsy's, they find the Sharpie that it was written with, they ink match it, the handwriting matches Patsy. Oh oh, and they found practice drafts!
6: Practice drafts! Whoever wrote this managed to commit a murder, find the pad, find the pen, practiced a couple times because they didn't want to show bad penmanship or something, write it, and then put the pad and pen back to where they normally are kept. It makes No. no sense at all to do that, unless it's something other than what
5: the note is making it appear to be.
1: So if Patsy Ramsey did this, and I don't know that she did, based on this one documentary, I'm leaning in that direction. She doesn't hang the phone up all the way when she does the fake 911 call. Then
2: she leaves her practice ransom note drafts around. She leaves them neatly in the desk that she thinks they were like, the pad was like put back. Right, right. It's all crazy. But there are a couple very specific things that should make everyone's little ears perk up. Yeah. Which is $118,000 two things about that one he's a millionaire Laura's like why not go for the whole enchilada am I right Right. like 118 grand like that's peanuts to this guy yeah and also what a weirdly specific number oh also that's basically like the Christmas bonus this guy was supposed to get which to me that's kind of like that must have been a number that let's just say Patsy wrote it that she had in her head like that sounds like a big number because it's weird like why write his bonus down to me that would be like Mike don't write down the number of your bonus they're gonna know Right. (laughs) and then
0: the
1: linguist guy is able. to like match these words to movies on the second page
5: we have something borrowed from a cinematic version of a kidnapping of a young girl the 1972 movie dirty Harry if we catch you talking to a stray dog she dies in the movie instead of it actually being a dog a dog breed is actually mentioned last page don't try to grow a brain John the movie
1: was speed so there's like a line from Dirty Harry. There's a line from Speed.
2: Speed. It's just crazy. And then we see like crime scene footage. Their home was like filled with framed movie posters. They were movie buffs. Yeah. It's like everyone is so bad
1: at this. And again, I'm not saying that I know that they did it, but it doesn't look good, Ramses.
2: So they want to find out who wrote it. And so based on the linguistic profile that they build, they call it maternal language. Didn't love that. <laughs> I know. know. <laughs> I know. Because at one point It's like when they Dive into the sentence Where it's like Nobody really likes you And they're like Does that not sound Like a hysterical Emotional woman Or what
5: Do not particularly Like you Would a guy Necessarily care If someone likes them Or not In this context I find in the thousands of cases I've worked over the years when someone puts a statement in like that it turns out to be a female
1: that's literally what they say I was like this guy's literally saying weak arms and small brains you
2: know you know that Laura was like hmm I know Hmm. The only woman in the room, she's like, I, you know, bigger fish to fry, bigger fish.
1: (laughs) But they're saying, like, this was probably written by a woman. Like, they're saying this was Patsy Ramsey. Like, Patsy wrote this letter. Right,
2: because we learned educated journalist major, you know, her pad that she put back in her desk. It doesn't look great. And practice letters. So now Laura, in her infinite (laughs) wisdom, is like, you know what we should do? They really want the viewers to know. Oh, God. This took a long time to do. So imagine you're in somebody's house. You're there to steal their kid. How much time it
1: would actually have taken standing in the middle of these people's kitchen on the day after Christmas to write this note
2: Write a five-page letter and two practice versions of it right. <laughs> so Laura's like fellas gather round they're in the workroom at the design table because now it's just project runway <laughs> and the timer <laughs> bing, on the bottom of the screen the five of them are right well not no. Werner Spitz isn't there hell no, no. <laughs> or Dr. Lee they have no time for this shit <laughs> They're like, call me when you got some science balls, (laughs) I'll see you later. So they're now all trying to write the letter to prove that it would have taken a long time to do in the house if you're the murderer with all the practice things.
6: It took 21 and a half minutes just to write this thing. If it were original text, it would have taken so much longer because somebody is thinking of what to write. But even if they did it this fast, that's 21 and a half minutes. That they could have been caught.
2: It takes them all like 21 and a half minutes. Someone finishes first I and is like very proud about that. I, I can't remember who it is. Right. The point is right. this was clearly staged. Like right. that's what they're trying to say. This is not a real ransom note because it's a ransom letter. Where's the no funny stuff? Where's the cut up magazine letters? What, right. what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Haven't you seen an episode of anything?
0: Selling a little or a lot. <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Go to Shopify.com slash Audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Audioboom.
1: And so now we meet Ron Walker, and he was the only FBI agent to actually visit the crime scene that day.
2: Yeah, and he's here with us now. Right. And he walks us through the timeline, and he's the first person to be like, Girl, can you believe after they called 911, they called and invited over the entire neighborhood? <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> So the most important thing that this detective Ron is here to tell us is that like... So
3: it was my belief at this juncture, the ransom note was a red herring. So it's even more important at that point for the detectives to maintain visual contact with the family. I wasn't so much concerned about Patsy because Patsy was in the solarium and she was surrounded by the family friends. And and at this point, uh, Larry Mason and I start talking about, well, what are we gonna do to try to make sure the detectives there maintain Visual contact with the family
1: on the day of, because I was there, girl. I know exactly what happened. We were trying to keep eyes on the Ramses We knew something was fishy. We wanted to like be able to like keep eyes on them because we're at the murder scene. We want to make sure they're like not up to shenanigans.
2: And it was basically like just to go back to home alone. Yeah. Remember when Joe Pesci is there to try to like case the joint, yeah. and everyone's running around, and everyone has their own agenda. They're trying to pack. Right. There's Fifteen <laughs> people in the house. In my head, that's what the Ramses home was like the morning she called nine one one because it's like, come on in, everybody. Right. And the cops are like, "Hi, just want to ask you a couple questions. Right? What's going on?" And
1: so the FBI, Ron, is telling us like at one point, John Ramsey just vanished.
3: About noon, Linda Arndt calls in to Mason and tells him that uh, Ramsey has been out of pocket for about an hour and a half. Says when he
7: reappears, his demeanor has changed.
1: He's agitated. He's
7: agitated.
1: He was just gone. And then he comes back, and now we're like, oh, fuck. We need to, like, search this house, because who knows what this guy is up to? What
2: were you doing for the hour and a half he was gone? Exactly.
1: So then the cop goes up to him and says, all right, girl, we are going to literally search your house from top to bottom. So we're going to start in the attic, and we're going to search all the way down to the basement. So John's like, great!
3: When she tells John, we're going to search the house top and bottom, and we're going to start at the top, Ramsey is there with Fleet White, he grabs Fleet by the arm and makes a beeline for the basement door.
1: John grabs his friend Fleet White and they head for the basement.
2: Just the whitest name. I, I mean, I know White is in it, but his name is Fleet <laughs> He actually does something kind of great eventually, but like my point is like four hours after you call 911, why are they the first people to say, let's overturn every crevice, everything, to look up and down in this house? So he's like, oh, shit, girl. So John grabs Fleet White and, quote, makes a beeline to the basement. John opens the door and, quote, finds John Bonet. Right. And Ron, our expert, is like, this is textbook, you guys.
3: Virtually every staged murder case that I have seen the perpetrator manipulates the arrival of friends or other family members who are then put in a situation where they actually discover the body or they are with the perpetrator as the body
2: is discovered. When murders are staged or like when the finding of a body is staged the perpetrator as they say yeah, fancy now (laughs) will make sure there's a friend or witness there so that Fleet White cannot perjure himself on the stand and say I was there when John found the body. Exactly. But
1: it gets worse. Right. So John fucking Ramsey finds his dead daughter he scoops her up so like disturbing the crime scene from the scene second he finds it. We learn now or later, like, she had duct tape on her mouth. He takes the duct tape Mm -hmm. off. There's, like, rope that he messes with. He picks her up, brings her upstairs, like, puts her down on the carpet.
2: And Ron White is, like, he basically put her, you know when you, like, walk into someone's house and there's, like, a welcome mat inside of the door, too? Totally. Where everyone is there and stepping on it and all the DNA in the world. Like, he put her in a very, what they call a high traffic area. And every second of this thing is heartbreaking. But to me, it's, like, you just put her back on a different floor what and
1: the implication is that it was intentional that john was trying to put her down in an area that would track a lot of dna and fibers from other people and that would just like muddy the waters of this crime scene even more
3: that's when it really first hit me about the nightmare that the forensic people were going to have
1: also girl CBS is building the Ramsey house this blew my mind in order to get these like Henry Lee and Werner Spitz like these people they're probably paying zillions of dollars to to actually get to like examine as close to the crime scene as they actually can get they rebuild the house Mm -hmm. every detail of this house like we see the crime scene video and they reconstructed this house from the crime scene video and every fucking detail is perfect
2: it's unreal talk about dotting your eyes crossing your T's I mean this is because it's I just want everyone to be totally like clear about it if you haven't watched it it's not just like on a sound stage I'm sure it's on a sound stage yeah it's like built to scale yes down to like cobwebs we'll get to that later down to like if a picture frame was a little askew it's a- askew in this fake house it's crazy
1: but like this weird elephant painting that's like on the floor that you see in the crime scene video they have it in the reconstruction of the house it's insane
2: well of course they do as they should right
1: So now like Ron, the FBI guy who was there that day, and maybe he took the video, I don't know. He's walking us through the crime scene and like one of the things we see now is this broken window and this blue suitcase in the basement. It's where we're eventually going to learn that the theory was that the intruder broke in.
2: Right, so now we get some more tidbits from Ron, the FBI guy who was on the scene. Yeah. And he tells us two very important things. One.
3: John Ramsey opens the door, says something about finding his daughter and then turns the light on.
2: He says that John screamed out that he had found his daughter's body before he even turned the lights on in the basement.
1: Yeah, it's the wine cellar in the basement. So it's like the basement's basement. And we see it in the reconstruction where with Jim Clemente and he's like, From my perspective
3: now, I can look in here and see objects. Right. But I don't know that I can necessarily identify objects. Right. I mean, this just looks like a jumble of cloth to
6: me. Right. And how would you know right. that that was actually your daughter wrapped up in there?
1: You can't see anything in here. Like, there's no light, there's no windows. Like, if you were to just walk in and scream, I found her before you turn the lights on, the implication is that you could only do that if you already knew she was there.
2: And what kind monster pushes their luck by walking into a basement without turning that light on that you still see all the the electrical pieces around Uh it like who's pressing their luck saying i'll just go down in the dark right it's fine (laughs) what they're saying is there's no way he could have seen that there's no way he was just basically like hey fleet you heard me say i found her right great exactly
0: selling a little or a lot
2: So then, the other thing Ron says is like, actually, just a little offshoot of that, it was super clear from the beginning that the Ramses were being treated with kid gloves because they were rich and white and powerful in the community. Right. From what I can see, the influence here really
7: had a very significant impact yeah, as to why people were allowed to come and go from the house going through
3: the list of things that initially puzzled me but then I started thinking when you add them all together I started thinking well there's there's something really bizarre and odd about all of this
6: right
1: and then this is where we learned that as suspicious as this all fucking looks, the Ramses are not questioned. Like, you know, Ron, the FBI guy says, like, protocol is you separate them, you get their separate stories, and you get them on the record that day. They are not questioned for four fucking months, you guys.
2: So remember Fleet, their friend Fleet? Yes. Fleet, who,
1: like, was with John in the wine cellar when John, quote, found John Bonet's body.
2: Right. And for a time, Fleet and his wife Priscilla were, like, such close friends that they were called at six in the morning. And just hightailed it over there. On the
1: day of the murder, yeah.
2: Right. And so I'm like, they were friends until they weren't because Fleet, (laughs) God bless him, writes an open letter that's 14 pages long. These people do not know how to be concise. 14 pages. Uh, An open letter, like, to the press telling John Ramsey to stop hiding behind his lawyer and cooperate with the police. In a 14-page open letter, Fleet White criticized the Boulder District Attorney and took particular aim at the Ramseys. White says the investigation has failed because the Ramseys have refused to fully cooperate with investigators.
1: Like, this is what is so unbelievable. It would be like if I called you and said, come over, Daisy's dead. And then a minute later, you're in the Facebook group being like, Patrick
2: is lying to you. Well, girl, I would have made a podcast about it. Put it in the regular feed. But, you know...
1: I'm just saying, like, this is very, very telling that their best friends are running to the press to try to get the Ramses to stop hiding behind their lawyers.
2: And 14 pages worth of, and another thing, and another thing. Again, exactly. you, could, you could say this in four sentences.
1: It's so crazy. And so now, of course, Laura and Clementi are trying to get Fleet White to talk on the record, and he doesn't want to. Like, I'm sure every single person involved in this fucking case has been burned. And, like, you know, Fleet taking this very seriously. Seriously, just wanting justice for John Banet, probably like doesn't know what is this documentary like. What are you talking about? You can come and talk to me, but I'm not getting on camera,
2: right? Which is at least he's still talking, and right. I'm not sure if it's Laura or Clementi, but one of them says, "Look,
6: it's more important that we have it than we have it documented."
2: Agreed. We'd rather have the information than the footage. So, like, we just want to talk to this guy. Totally. So, we're, like, we're meeting the Ramseys' friends
1: and coworkers or whatever. Girl, we meet Judith Phillips.
2: Yeah, she was a photographer. She was a friend of the family, but she also... All those glamour shots we know from the media, Judith took them. Which is kind of, like, wow. Like, oh, right. It's so crazy, like, how the media can fuck things up so bad. but like Or just make things weird where I'm, like, oh, of course a human took those photos. (laughs) Of course somebody took them. And it was weird to hear that she did like it was like kind of a weird disconnect that came together well
1: you want to know another weird disconnect so judith and patsy met in atlanta but they became really good friends in boulder when they were on the same softball team girl what's that softball team called mom's gone bad
2: judith hates it (laughs) judith is like looking back on it bad look huh in boulder we became even closer friends because we were on the softball team together mom's gone bad Of all things, that's the name of our team.
1: So the thing that's happening, remember how Patsy and John haven't been interviewed by the cops? Mm -hmm. Well, they have been interviewed by CNN. Like four days after the murder, they go on CNN, and we're going to get more into that later. But like one of the things that Patsy says.
0: There is a killer on the loose. I will tell my friends to keep, keep your babies close to you
1: like hold your babies tight there's a murderer out there like basically coming for your kids so judith at patty's request goes to the mayor and is like they don't feel safe they think there's a murderer on the loose
6: so i
0: went to the mayor's office and i said patsy wants protection Mm -hmm. and she said there's no murderer out there
1: and the mayor's like girl there's not a murderer on the loose like everyone knows who did this
2: right and I think it's very odd that Patsy I'm like Patsy who do you think you are what do you think you're in the mafia to like send Judith (laughs) to do your bidding if you're so powerful like I know they are rich and white and powerful in the sense where the cops are just like whenever you want to be like questioned by us that would be like so great just like let us know if you're free like whenever you're free like we'll circle back we can hop on a call like what the fuck but like they don't have enough power to go to the mayor themselves because they knew the mayor would say that's bullshit so they wanted to have a friend of theirs it's like fleet white all over again totally so you guys Werner
1: Spitz is here and it's his turn to talk girl Spitzy so we learned that like the official cause of death
6: cause of death of this six-year-old female is asphyxia by strangulation associated with cranial cerebral trauma.
1: Werner Spitz has had access to the autopsy, and that's like the official cause of death. But he's like, no, bitch, that's not how it happened.
2: Right, he's like, I've seen 60,000 cases. I don't know everything, but I know something about right. something. <laughs>
1: So he said he didn't know what caused the death at first but he knew that like her skull had been fractured
4: and like a perfect little rectangle had been cut in her skull and he's like I didn't know at the time what caused this Okay But then I looked at the photographs and saw a 3 mag flashlight sitting on the kitchen counter
6: Right
4: and uh, I said, well, I have to check whether that may have been the cause. And did you and do so experiments? That... I did that, yeah.
2: And so what he says is, based on the records and everything he studied, John Bonet was not strangled to death. Right. There was a rope placed around her neck after she died, and then maybe they strangled her after she died to make it look like that was the case. Right. But he said, this is what we're saying, that he, they say very blunt things just yeah. because they're scientists. He said,
4: So they applied a mechanism of death that at face value you say, oh, she was strangled. And then of course she has a blow to the head. So which is it? Well, it's very simple when I explain to you that yes, she was strangled to make believe that was the cause of death. She already was branded.
1: Now, again, like, the documentary takes this as gospel. Like, it's as though, like, now we've decided that this is the cause of death. And we as the viewer don't really get much more information beyond this. But now it's, like, the assumption of the documentary that, like, that's what happened.
2: Right. And so Werner's, like, it's the blow to the head that killed her. And Dr. Henry Lee, like, raises his hand slowly and is (laughs) like, if I may?
1: I just want
3: to play a devil Yeah, sure. We should find tissue and blood on the flashlight. And also should have uh, broken hairs. We should have uh, trace evidence, blur hair tissue. That's why I suggest them to do some DNA, uh, try to find tissue and blur. Apparently they did not find anything.
2: I don't 100% agree. And I'm like, oh, and everyone, all the air is sucked out of the room. And everyone's like, see, this is why we weren't sure if they could be together in the same room. This is why we're living it.
1: So Clementi and Laura, they're like, tell me again, Spitz, how like using a flashlight and like hitting somebody over the head with it, how sure are you that it could cause that rectangular hole that we see in her skeleton?
2: And then he says something where I'm like, oh shit,
7: what? So would it take tremendous strength to to do this?
4: Because this is a heavy object with three batteries in it. The skull of a six-year-old, we call them eggshell skulls.
7: But you don't need much force, I mean, I think that's just... You don't need
4: such huge amount of force. No, that is a mistake. It could be an adult, it could be a child that did it.
2: He's like, well, you know, it didn't have to be like that hard of a force. Like it could have been an adult, it could have been a child. I don't know, maybe someone of nine years old by the name of Burke. And I'm like, Werner, oh my God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But then they're like, you know what we should do actually to prove that it could be a nine-year-old boy? Let's bring in a nine-year-old boy, traumatize the living shit out of them.
7: So they set up this thing where Laura says, and I quote. So Dr. Spitz, we have a skull, but with pig skin over the top of it to act sort of like the scalp to see what it looks like if somebody hits it with a flashlight.
1: Then they put a blonde wig on it, you guys. They bring in this boy and they hand him a flashlight and they're like, could you see if you could bash that skull in for us? Thanks.
2: They did this in casting Jambonet. Remember the the little boys with the watermelon that is like burned into my brain? Oh my God, that's right. Well, this is even more
1: vivid and vicious. This kid takes the flashlight. He hits this head so fucking hard and then Clementi comes over he's ripping the wig off ripping the pig skin off so we can see the perfect little rectangle <laughs> that matches jean Bonnet's like skull x-ray or whatever the whole thing is so graphic and disgusting and I'm like what was the conversation with this kid's agent when he booked this gig
2: so the whole point is that Spitz's formal opinion is that the flashlight is the murder weapon and it's totally possible a kid did it and I'm like Spitzy girl that's a heavy sentence you just said
1: I know and it's the thing that's infuriating about that is that like that could totally be right it could totally be wrong I don't know that we'll ever know
2: right and it- it ends with, as Laura calls them, Fitz and Stan, which is totally a show I'd watch. <laughs> it's, it's our it's our language and behavioral experts here. And they're watching. Remember how the cops were like, hey, girl, if you want to interview, that would be great. But it was totally yeah. fine. And so the Ramses are like, we're not going to talk to you, but we're going to go on CNN and cry our eyes out about how there's a serial killer around town. Exactly. So we are looking at this footage.
1: This is kind of crazy, I will say.
2: And we do meet this guy, Elliot, the reporter from Boulder, <laughs> who has the nerve to look me right in the eye and tell me
1: so there was no compelling reason
3: why this should have become the big sensation that it was but it was the week after christmas before new year's there's no news it's a very quiet time for national news and that was when the 24-hour news cycle was still pretty young Mm -hmm.
2: that he can't understand why this was such a big case he blames it on being a slow news week and i'm like (laughs) Sweetheart, it's not because she was like a gorgeous little girl and white and blonde and in the pageant system. You really are blaming it on a slow Newsweek girl? Wake up.
1: I know. But then they start to analyze this interview on CNN. And I got to say, like, this linguistic stuff, I, I don't put a lot of weight behind it. But, like, there are definitely some telling moments. Like, the interviewer says to Patsy Ramsey, Are you fully
5: convinced that your daughter was kidnapped by some outsiders outside your family or circle of friends?
1: She's shaking her head no. And then her husband says yes And she starts shaking her head yes
2: Yes Now two things about this I don't necessarily buy the look at their behavior. You see how they cross their arms? I do that too. When I am agreeing with people because what you're saying is so horrible, I will shake my head and be like, oh god, that's so gross. You're absolutely right. Uh And both you and Mike have said to me on several occasions, are you disagreeing with me? (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm shaking my head because I agree with you so much. So I do this all the time. So I think behavioral stuff is bullshit, but I don't know if they got me hook, line, and sinker or what. But there is something where you could tell that she's responding because usually I only stop shaking my head when you're like, girl, am I wrong? Did I get that fact wrong? I'm like, no, right, that yeah. fact is just so horrible <laughs> that I'm yeah. shaking my head no. But I don't change my my whole facial expression. No, it's true. And the thing is, like, this interview on
1: CNN is four days after the murder. Like, Patsy looks like she's taken a Xanax, which, girl, I don't blame you. Like, there are moments in this where they look really guilty and I'm mad at them. And then there's moments where they look like they're really suffering, like now, that I feel really sad for them. And, you know, it's all fucking terrible.
2: So it ends by us learning that on May 1st, May 1st this happened the day after Christmas the year before May 1st the Ramseys finally agree to talk to the police how nice they got to agree so they agree to talk to the police and then they do a press conference about it in their living room right and Fitz and Stan Fitz and Stan the new show I'm gonna watch which whenever you make it (laughs) um, anyone I'm watching it (laughs) Fitz and Stan are like I'm sorry do these people want a medal for trying to finally help out the cops for what happened to their kid six months ago yeah like are you kidding me and in
1: this press conference you know, John is the first to say, like, to those of you who may want to ask, let me address very directly. I did not kill
5: my daughter, John Bonet. John Bonet and I had a very close relationship. I will miss her dearly for the rest of my life.
1: And then Patsy says the same thing. I'm appalled
0: that anyone would think that John or I would be involved in such a hideous, heinous crime. But let me assure you that I did not kill Jean Benet.
1: The real ending are like Fitz and Stan being like they sound really convincing when they say that. It's what they're not saying because Fitz and Stan and all of our experts firmly believe that Bonnet was murdered in her own home by somebody who was in the home. So if it wasn't John and it wasn't Patsy that only leaves one person. Her brother Burke. And so that is what all of episode two is going to be about.
2: Which is a little tough when you accuse a nine year old kid of murder. No? Yeah and
1: it's like I, look I'm certainly not saying he did it. I'm just saying like that's the thesis of this documentary. So you guys episode two is available right now and at the five dollar level ad free on patreon you don't have to wait you guys it gets really fucking crazy uh we've got a lot to say about it and you should go check it out
2: yeah and Fitz and Stan make that show make the show
1: You guys, don't forget to check us out. If you want more to laugh about right now, at the $5 level on Patreon, you get over 140 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this goddamn second.
2: I'm so glad we finally got, we're hovering over the real number because I've been saying over 100 (laughs) for way too long. I'm glad we finally have a little bit more realistic of a number.
1: Yeah, you know you want to hear our take on Tiger King. We've already started. It is as bananas as you expected. It's also where we do our episode-by-episode stuff, so it's like Don't F with Cats, Lazy Peterson, Menendez murders. Lorena, OJ. OJ. Then it's like the early stuff, like the jinx, making a murderer, yeah. the staircase, cereal, all of it.
2: And then a bunch of like random fun stuff you get after parties, which is us just like hanging out, telling stories, spilling tea, just saying. Yes. <laughs> right now we're doing a
1: quarantine check-in once a week. You can hear like how bored we are. I have a chipmunk if you want to know about it. Yeah,
2: nameless for now. I'll get back to you. Next quarantine check-in, I'll have it named. How about that?
1: <laughs> totally, totally. Um, We don't have a what's coming up next, you guys, because next week is going to be part two of the case of JonBenet Ramsey. Uh, It's going to be in the regular feed with ads, once again, you can get it right now ad-free at the $5 level on the Patreon. Girl, where can they find us?
2: They can find us at True Crime Obsessed Podcast on Instagram. They can find us at True Crime Obsessed on Twitter, no ED. And True Crime Obsessed.com is where you get, like, all the fun stuff. All the episodes, calendar of what we're doing, promo codes, merch, all that good stuff. All
1: right, you guys. We love you. Stay tuned for the outtakes from this ridiculous episode, and then
2: go listen to part two of this right now. We love you. This is, ugh. I feel, Wow, It hurts. <laughs> it hurts. What a sucks. time. Yeah. it's it's just, it's Jean Benet, God. Someone's got to solve it one day. <laughs> I know. Officially.
1: And maybe it'll be us.
2: Maybe. All right, we love you. Bye. Bye. He's been living uh, the love of my life in his uh, noise-canceling <laughs> headphones because I'm either doing a live video or I'm recording or whatever. So when I was watching The Case Against Jean Benet, The Case Against, The Case of Jean Benet. <laughs> If you hear something weird, you're like, what is that sound? It's me just like shaking the back of my shirt because no matter where we record, it's just a hundred degrees. I know. So if you're, if you're like, what is that? It's just me trying to <laughs> fan myself a little bit. I got this high pony going on. I can't. Our favorite Tim Gunn quote wasn't make it work. It was, look, don't bore Nina. Because right. Nina Garcia was one. Of, look, whatever you do, don't, don't bore, bore Nina. Nina. My other favorite
1: thing that Nina did was went during the runway show every week. She would take her cards and put them over her eyes because the lights were too glaring.
2: She just, she needed to get that detail. <laughs>
1: God, I'm going to stumble over her name every time. I cannot make myself say Bonet with a hard J.
2: Because it's been decades of everyone saying Jean Bonet.
1: I know, because that's the way it should be said.
2: It's not your fault, girl. It's not your fault. I'm so worked up about this. My Apple Watch just said I hit my calorie count, my my calorie (laughs) (laughs) walking for the day. You guys, I've been sitting here.
1: That's amazing. But I'm
2: so worked up about this that I just got my little alert. Speaking of loving her, do you love Brian Scott? Uh, Let's skip him. Like, I just have, I, I literally have Brian Scott, the
1: gardener. He's hot.
2: If your little girl is in, a, is in a pageant, like, I hope it's like one of the good ones. I don't even know what that means, but th- I don't like that. Don't sexualize them and make them older. Just let them be six-year-olds.
6: Thanks.
0: <laughs> Selling a little or a lot.
1: Girl, Wild Grain is the sponsor this week. I know you are very excited to talk about it. I'm gonna shut the I'm gonna shut the hell up.
2: I've been dying to talk about this. So Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Let me tell you, we had the croissant, we had the sourdough baguette, we had the sourdough loaf. Each item, you bake it right from frozen in 25 minutes or less. There's no thawing required. What is like the word for
1: foodie for people who just like bread? Because that is Steve. Steve is a bready. That's me. When we got our wild grain box. Steve tore, actually Golden tore it open. He was like, Golden smelled the bread, tore the mm-hmm. thing open. We popped the baguette right in. I'm a baguette and yeah. I we devoured that baguette in 30 seconds, and you've been dying to talk about this for weeks. Like, you, this is the real deal, fam. Julian's like signed up for this for life.
2: Yeah, Mike made, I'm not kidding, my hand, to, I swear. <laughs> Yesterday Mike was just like, I'm a little hum-. like A snack he wanted was the yeah. last sourdough baguette we had, and I'm like, we have to order more, because <gasps> I don't know how we're going to survive without it.
1: So fam, you can fully customize customize your Wild Grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you want a box full of bread, all pasta, all
2: pastries, you can have it. That's right. And plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO to start your subscription.
1: You heard her. Free croissants. In every box and $30 off your first box when you go to WildGrain.com slash TCO.
2: That's WildGrain.com slash TCO. Or you can use promo code TCO at checkout.